Good morning. It's good to see you guys today. My name is Eric Montoya, Pastor Grove. If you don't know me, I wanted to say uh, thanks for coming today. I'm glad you're here. Uh, I want to say welcome to all those watching by Facebook Live or listening to the podcast. Thanks for tuning in. I uh, hope today's service will challenge you. Today I'm going to talk a little about how we do church, why we do church, and I'm going to help us to, to see what, what, what we're trying to accomplish as, as the Grove. Uh, we're a young church, and we've already seen some great things, but we want to stay the course. We want to endure so we can see some amazing things happen. And so we say this a lot at our church, that healthy people do healthy things. Don't ever get tired of that. If you are tired of it, it's because you're probably um, not trying to do healthy things and you're getting upset because like, man, stop telling me that. Because um, when I hear that, I'm wanting to be healthy. And when I hear, the more I hear that, I'm like, oh, yeah, you need to do healthy things today. Healthy people do healthy things. Healthy marriages, they're healthy because they're doing healthy things. Healthy businesses are healthy because they're doing healthy things. And so we're, we're, it's really important for us as we walk through that. And so today I want to talk a little about why it's important. You know, as, as we talk about um, today's called Stay in Your Lane. I'm going to explain what that means. Uh, but one of the reasons that we, we talk about being healthy is because there's a really important reason behind it. And here's, here's why you need to be healthy. All right? Everything that God created in creation, every living thing was created to multiply. Everything. Trees, plants, animals, people. We were created to multiply. Um, and even when it comes to being, so as a Christian church, we, we're following Christ. He wants us to multiply also, have an impact on this world. So everything that God created is, is created, to, was created to multiply. And healthy things will multiply or produce healthy things. And anything that's unhealthy is going to produce other things that are unhealthy. So the reason God wants you to be healthy is because really he wants you to impact the people around you, the people that are coming behind you, so they will have a chance of being healthy also. That's really the the deeper reason, because he wants us to multiply who we are. And so healthy churches, they produce other healthy churches. And so we want to be a healthy church because we want to help produce other healthy churches around the world. Our goal one day is to plant a church out of the grove. I mean, we partner with other churches, and we're coaching and encouraging and financing other church plants and starts. Um, but eventually, one day, we'd love to send people out of our church to go start something new uh, that, that we would produce something healthy. That would make us it'd – be, it'd be awesome. I'd love it. So um, being healthy is important so we can produce others. Uh, weeds can only produce weeds, right? Avocados can only produce avocados, and I'm so grateful for avocados. They're amazing. Um, but we produce what we are. And so God wants us to be healthy so we can produce other healthy things. So your kids, you want them to be healthy? Get healthy yourselves. Uh, you want your kids to have a healthy marriage? Have a healthy marriage. Model it for them. Uh, these, these are the reasons that we should be healthy so we can, re, we can reproduce health in other, other people. So last week, um, I'm, I'm, you know, as, as the summer gets, gets ready, we have Bike for Light. September, I start cycling, training for that. Uh, but I also like to do other things to exercise. And winter is always really hard for me to exercise. Uh, it's the pressure of the, of the season. I don't know what goes on financially. All these things just kind of happen. You just kind of – I always disconnect a little bit from exercise. Maybe it's the 500. I get tired of riding my bike for 500 miles. So I just take a break for a long time. Uh, but in April, it starts warming up. I start getting into the, into the, into the um, mindset again. I need to start training. So last week, I went to the Chavez Center and began some training to prepare for September and for the summer. And one of the things I love to do is I love to swim when I go to exercise because swimming is one of those places, one of the only places that I can really turn off my, my thoughts and I can just um, – all the noise stops and I get in the water I just enjoy it. Well, on Tuesday, an interesting thing happened. Uh, well, I, I, I was doing my, my routine and exercising and, um, and I was doing the brush stroke, which is the one your, your head bobs up and down. You know, you come out and you come up, you come down. It's the slowest stroke I do. Um, I'm a little faster at backstroke than the, than the brush stroke and I'm, I'm – my, my, the freestyle – Crawl is the fastest one. And so I'm doing the breaststroke, and as, I'm, as my head is bobbing up and down, you, you, you kind of notice peripheral, like what's happening. I notice every time I come up, there's somebody next to me. And so after a few times, I, I keep looking over, and I notice there's this person that's, that's he's doing the, the freestyle. He's doing the crawl. 
And so uh, it's a faster stroke than mine. So I start thinking, well, I'm going to try to keep up with this guy. He wants to race. And I think in my mind, this guy wants to race. Let's, let's, it's on. Let's do it. And so I'm, I'm, I'm coming up, and I'm looking to the side every time I come up to see if, how I'm tracking with him. And, and I notice I'm keeping up with him. I'm like, man, I'm doing really good in this, in, in my, in, in what I'm doing right now. So I go all the way, make it to the wall, and I beat him. And I'm like, yeah, beat him to the wall. This is awesome. So I come up, I grab the wall, and he touches the wall, and he goes back. I'm like, oh, I see how it is. We're all, this is on. So I get in my backstroke, and I start doing the backstroke. I'm looking over to the side every now and then, and, and I'm keeping up with him. And, and he's still doing the, the crawl, and I beat him to the next wall. And I'm like, yeah, I beat you again. And he touches the wall and keeps going. And I'm like, what? So then I do my freestyle stroke, and I begin to, to chase him. And this one's a little easier because I'm keeping up with him, and I'm like, all right, this is not that bad. And I, and I beat him to the next wall. I get up thinking, man, I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty good swimmer. He touches the wall and he keeps going. I'm like, oh, no. I, I thought, oh, I, I guess this is not a sprint. So, again, I, I do another, another, another stroke and I, I chase him down the wall again. And uh, the third time, fourth time, I'm, I'm beat. I'm like already getting really tired. He touches the wall, keeps going. So I'm like, oh, I'll give him a head start this time. He gets about halfway and then I do my freestyle after I catch my breath. I catch up to him and I beat him again. And I'm like, I'm feeling really good about myself, except this time I can't swim much more. And he just keeps going. And I'm like, I guess this guy didn't know it was a race. Uh, or he did, and he's just, he's winning. And so I, I, thought, I thought I was winning the whole time. And I realized I was in a different race uh, than he was. And he wasn't even in the race, really. He was just, it was just my own thing. And, but I was so fortunate, they actually were able to capture a picture of, of, this, of this event. All right? Can you show that picture? Man, it was so good. I, I, I was, yeah, looking over. If you saw the Olympics, you probably saw this, this picture of, of Laclose um, looking over at Phelps. He wanted so bad to beat him because he beat him previously. He wanted to beat him again. Um, and he was so focused on, on, on Phelps that he didn't even swim his own race, and he ended up losing the race. Uh, people who lose focus, they don't finish well. Uh, Laclose, he didn't finish well because he lost focus. His focus was not the, the lane and the finish line. It was the person next to him. Uh, on, on Tuesday when I was doing this, I realized that I was trying to race somebody else's race. I was trying to do something that somebody else was doing. And you know what happened the next day? I was so sore. Like, I, I couldn't move my arms. And it's not a good thing to jump in the pool and just start racing people. That's not a healthy thing to do. And so, so Thursday I get back and, you know, a couple of days go exercise again. I jump in the pool and I'm doing my strokes. And I look over to the side and I notice there's somebody next to me. And you know what I think? Let's race. And then I realized, no, that wasn't a good thing last time. I'm going to just do my exercise today so I can, I can, I think I'll accomplish more if I do mine because I, I wasn't able to swim a long time. I got tired and I couldn't breathe. And after a few laps, I was like, all right, I'm going to the hot tub. And uh, that, that was it. So Thursday, I, I did my exercise routine and, and I felt good and all that. But here's what I realized in that, in that whole scenario is in life, we are like that so often. Um, we start this journey off and um, and, and here's what's really sad for, for, for me as, as a pastor is when I see people start the journey of being a Christ follower. You know, they're excited. They're so passionate. Um, and they start really good, I, I would say like a race. Um, but at, at some point, they, they get tired. They burn out or they, they get distracted and they, they quit the race and they stop running. And for me, it breaks my heart because I know that if they would have just stuck in there a little longer, they could have overcame those things that they gave up on. If they would have just stayed going a little bit more and, and not, not got distracted by who's on the right or who's the left and – and, and, and they, would, they would have made it. Um, and I want, I want us all to finish well. And when, when people begin this race, whether it's marriage, I want you to finish well as a, as a couple. Uh, raising your kids, I want you to finish well. Well, you raise your kids to be healthy, healthy uh, adults, right? That's the goal. We're raising kids to become healthy adults so they can be uh, productive in, in, in our world and help others. Um, and then as, as Christians, I want us to finish well, that we would, we'd finish our life saying, man, I gave it all that I got. 
And if you are going to finish well, what we have to realize is it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. Life is really about going the distance. It's about endurance. It's about getting all the way to the end. And the reason a lot of people don't finish well and quit is because they get distracted by the people around them. They, we start comparing ourselves to people on, on, to the left and to the right of us. We start, and if you look at one person, you're thinking, man, I'm really good. Like, I was beating that guy like nothing. I was a good swimmer, you know, um, until he kept swimming. And then I realized I really wasn't that good of a swimmer. Um, or I look to other people who are doing really, really good, and I think, man, I'm really not that great. And I, and I can get a little uh, disheartened. Um, and it, when we begin to focus on others, and what happens is we begin to actually try to swim the race they're in, and we try to keep up with them, and we don't understand the journey they're on, and it distracts us from what we're supposed to do. And this is what I believe. God has called each of us specifically to accomplish things in this life. He, he wants you to, to, to accomplish specific things that he created you for. And you'll only accomplish those if you'll stay in the lane he's asking you to stay in and run in and not get distracted. Because when we begin to compare, what happens is we don't focus on what we have. We don't celebrate what we have. And we celebrate maybe we want what others have. Um, and throughout Scripture, we'll, we'll see that God, and in the future, we'll do a whole series on comparison. Because it's one of the things the enemy uses to really trip us up and to really get us to fail and fall and not, not finish well in life as we begin to compare. And we want what others have. We miss it out. Um, so what we need to do is if, if we're, we're going to finish well, we need to stay focused. We need to pay attention to the race that God is calling us to and stay in the lane he's asked us to run in. For me as a person, there's specific things he's gifted me for. So he says, do these things consistently well. Keep doing them. Don't worry about those other things. I, you're, not, you're not made to do those things. You're not gifted to do those things. Do these things. You know, for, for, for you, God's saying, these are the gifts I've given you. Use them to be able to accomplish good in this world. Don't get distracted by other ones. Lisa Bevere says it like this. She says, comparison will cause you to feel prideful or depressed but never satisfied. When you compare yourself to others, you'll never be satisfied in life because you won't celebrate the things you have because you'll always be wishing you had something else. Or you'll, be really, you'll get prideful and haughty because you think you're better than somebody that has less than you. And those are two extremes that God never wants us to have. He doesn't want us to be proud. He doesn't want us to be depressed. He wants us to be fulfilled in life, understanding, okay, God created me to do something. And the way you find that is you, could, you accomplish the things he created you to accomplish. As a church, it's our desire to help every single person that comes as part of our body to discover what are the gifts God's given you? What are the purposes he's put in your heart? And then how can we join with you to help you accomplish those things? Because when you do it, you'll find fulfillment in life because you're accomplishing the, God, the things God created you to accomplish. You know, for me, the way I stay in my lane is I celebrate the things that I have. I make those the standard. My wife, she's a really amazing cook, but the, the best food that I like is my wife's food. It's a standard. Um, everything about my wife, I just decided that that's the standard that I have for my life. That, that's the, the, the taste that I have. Why? Because I'm not going to compare. When I start comparing her to others, it's not healthy. It's not good. Same with my kids. If I start comparing them to other kids, it won't be good because they're not supposed to be those, those people. And in some cases, when we compare ourselves to people that are maybe doing something amazing that we think that we want, we don't always understand the pain they've endured, had to endure to get those to the place in life. And in some cases, we really actually don't even want some of the stuff they have because we would, it, would, it would overwhelm us and overtake us and discourage us. And so we need to stay in our own lane. So we, we see this in, in a story in the New Testament. In John 21, there's a, there's a, after Jesus dies on the cross and, and Easter Sunday, he's, he's resurrected, he comes back to life. Um, one of his disciples, Peter, he denied him three times. When Jesus was arrested and they were going to crucify him, they, he, denied, he denied Jesus three times. And so when Jesus is, comes back from the dead, he, he shows up to the disciples. He meets with them to encourage them, to, to tell them, hey, keep, stay in your lane. Keep doing the things I've called you to do. Keep, keep going down that path I've asked you to go down. 
and, he, and he's encouraging them. Well, one of the conversations he has with Peter, he's saying, all right, Peter, uh, do you love me? He asked Peter this question. The reason he asked him is because he knew Peter denied him. He told Peter he's going to. And Peter says, yes, of course you know I love you. Jesus, Lord, I, I love you. So he says, well, feed my lambs. Take care of my work. Do my work that I'm calling you to do. And he asks, us this, he asks him three times, Peter, do you love me? And he says, of course I do. You know it. And he says, take care of my, my sheep. Feed my sheep. And the third time it says it cuts to Peter's heart. He says, Peter, do you really love me? And finally Peter says, yes, of course I do. And he says, well, take care. Do, do the work I'm asking you to do. Stay in your lane. Stay focused. Don't miss out. And then Jesus actually tells him the future and says, this is what's going to happen to you. This is the kind of death you're going to have. And in it, it might be a little discreet. He says, you're going you're to bring a lot of glory to God, but there's going to be a time when you're older and somebody else is going to lead you. And he, he gives them the scenario, what's going to play out. And Peter, he says, okay, I'll receive that. You know, I'm, I'm going I'm to follow you. And he, and he tells Peter this. He says, just, just follow me. Even though you go through stuff that's going to be tough, tough, tough things, just follow me. Stay the course. Stay focused. Don't turn away. And so then Peter turns around and he sees John behind them. And this is what it says in John 21. It says, and Peter asks Jesus, he says, well, what about him? So you told me my future. What about, what about John? Like, are you going to make him suffer too like you told me I'm going to suffer? And this is how Jesus responds. He says, if I want him to remain alive until, he, until I return, what is that to you? As for you, you follow me. He's telling Peter, Peter, don't worry about John's journey. Don't worry about the race he's running. Run your race. You follow me. And he gives him the same invitation he gave him in the beginning. He says, Peter, would you come and follow me? It's essentially saying, I'm going to reestablish you as a disciple. And in fact, you're going to be one of the leaders of the church. You're going, to, you're going to do a lot of good. But in that, you're going to have to endure a lot of stuff too. Just come and follow me. And he says, just, just stay the course. And he says, Peter, you're going to finish well if you'll stay the course. Don't get off track like you did in the past. Stay the course. Stay in your lane. Endure until the end. You know, endurance, you, you know, the way you, you, you um, gain endurance, you know how, how you do that? It's not a special, there's not a shortcut. Uh, there's not some secret to it. The way you endure is you just endure. When you go through something hard, you'll develop endurance when you push through and don't give up. You know, what, what would happen is if you're praying for something and, and you've been praying and the answer is going to come in 10 days, but at day eight, you get discouraged. and You're like, all right, I give up. I, I'm, I'm out of here. And you don't follow through. And you're almost to breakthrough, but you quit too early. Well, what happens a lot of times in people's lives is we, when we struggle with things, or we go through hard times, we quit too soon. And then we have to repeat that thing because we never learned the lesson of that. And the next time it comes, it's going to be a little harder. But if we would just stick in there and endure until the end, we'll, be, we'll see that we'll grow and we'll, we'll overcome. In marriage, in our finances, in our walk with God, in, in school, um, in business. It, it, those, those principles apply. Just stay in there. Endure. Endure. That's a big part of it. You know, in, in Ephesians, um, you know, th- this week would be a Passover week. The, the week Jesus dies, it's Passover week. They would celebrate this for thousands of years up to the point Jesus died because it was, it was the week that, Jesus, that God rescued the people of Israel from slavery. And in, in the Old Testament, God made them four promises. He said, I'm going to rescue you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to free you from slavery. I'm going to help you discover your purpose. I'm going to help you make a difference. You're going to be part of a community. And he gives the people of Israel these four promises that he's going to do in their lives. Our church has built our whole structure around these four promises that he gave in Exodus. And then Paul, he's talking to the church in Ephesus. He tells us these same four things again. I'm going to read it to you so you can see it. Ephesians 1, 17 through 18. Paul says this, I ask the God, our master, Jesus Christ, the God of glory, to make you intelligent and discerning in knowing him personally. So he wants, he wants us to know him personally. That your eyes focused and clear so you can see exactly what he's calling you to do. Grasp the immensity of his glorious way of life 
that he has for his followers. So he's saying he wants, he wants us to do four things. And these are the four things that we want to accomplish as a church. We structured everything to help us accomplish these four things. One is to know God. The second thing is that we would find freedom. The third thing is we discover purpose. And the fourth thing is we'd make a difference. So God wants you to know him in a personal, in a personal way, that you would have a, a relationship with him. He wants that for every single one of us. And then he wants us to find freedom. See, when he rescued the people of, of Israel from slavery, he saved them from being slaves, but they went to the desert and they kept thinking like slaves because they were slaves for so long that that mentality was there. So he's saying, I want to free you from the way you think of the old way and give you a new way to live. So he gave them all these laws that would help push them, push all the, the, the bad things behind so they can move forward in something that's healthy. So he gave us the, the laws. And he's trying to help the people of Israel take these steps forward. So he wants, them to, wants us to know God, find freedom. Because when we find freedom, we can free other people. We can help other people free. We become healthy. God wants us wants to help other people be healthy. And then discover purpose. Very few people in this life actually figure out what they were destined for and, and purposed for and created for in the first place. And when you don't have purpose, you wander aimlessly, not knowing what to do with your life because you really don't know where to go. Purpose gives you direction. It gives you focus. So some people, you're swimming in many lanes because you don't even know what lane you're supposed to be in. As a church, we want to help you discover that. God, God's gifted you. So discover purpose. And then the fourth thing is make a difference. We want you, your life to count, like to make an impact that's going to echo into eternity. That there will be people that become um, healthy in their marriage, in their lives, free from addictions, because you are willing to say, I want my life to count. I want to help others. So when it comes to um, these, these four things, this is how we do church. So the reason I'm saying this is because we're talking about staying in your lane. If you want to know the lane we're in as a church, here's the four things. And, and just so you know, Growth Track, we had to stop it for a while because our, uh, we, did, we used to do it at the Hyatt place. And uh, our room, that availability, got really minimized. So we weren't able to use it as often. And so Growth Track is every, ongoing every month. So now with the changes with kids' ministry, having 14 and 9, the party room is free for us to have a Growth Track. So every single month, right after the service, we'll have Growth Track. It's just four classes. Explains it's it's a book you you get and you take with you. It's our playbook. It's how we do ministry, how we do church. So I'm gonna kind of summarize it for you now. But um, I would encourage you if you've never been to Growth Track, go to Growth Track. Uh, it'll take about 45 minutes. We'll be done by 12 o'clock. We'll, we have snacks in there and uh, some drinks. You can just hang out and you can meet some other people uh, on the team and in the church. I lead a couple. If some other people lead some other other classes, uh, some of the other classes. Um, so today 201 is happening. You could jump in at any time because next month we'll have 101 again. You can always catch up later. Uh, but I would encourage you to go through these. So here, and here's what we, we tell in Growth Track. Here's our four things that we do as a church. This is why we do church the way we do it, because we're very strategic in how we do it. We're, we're trying to stay in the lane that God has given us. There's a lot of good things that we can do as a church, and they're not bad, but we want to focus on those few things that we know will have an impact over the long haul. And so let's focus on those few things. Um, in fact, there's other churches in Santa Fe that do better, a better job at, at different components of church than we do. But they're in their lane. They're doing their thing they're gifted for. And we celebrate that. And if that's something you're looking for, we'd actually encourage you. And that, that church, I know a church, three people ask me about certain things. I'm like, I know a church that you're, you're asking about. That would be a perfect fit for you. Now, we tell people, if this is not the, the right fit for you, find a church that, that, that glorifies Jesus that would, you can partner with to bring about good in the kingdom. Because everybody wins when you're a part of something you want to be a part of. And this is how we do church. So know God. This is our weekend services. It's a strategic service that we do so people can know God. So today, some of you might have come, maybe you haven't been in church for a while, or uh, you've, been, you've been distanced from God. Uh, this may be your first time looking for answers. We design our Sunday services for you. We want you to discover God's purposes in your life. 
We want you to know God and his, his ways and his freedom and his salvation. So our, our weekend service, we'd say the, uh, the adjective would be to follow. We want people just to follow Christ. You know, Christian means a Christ follower. So we want people just to follow Christ. Um, that's, our, that's our strategic weekend. We want service to be fun. I want to be able to, to laugh, to, to celebrate what God's done in our lives so others can see us celebrating and enjoying life. Um, we're very intentional in our service, how we do things. We want people to look down their watch and say, oh, wow, it's already over. That was enjoyable. I think I'll come back. In fact, we celebrate when a guest comes and the next week they return. That's a win for us because we, we've given something of value that they said that was helpful. I want to come back for it. And we really celebrate when a guest comes the second week and brings a guest with them. Because that said, I valued so much what happened that I want to bring my friend because it was amazing. And we celebrate that. And so for us on a weekend service, that's our win. Now, every week we find people come to Christ, and that's just the, that's the, the product or the results of the win that we get guests to come back. Because as they say on average, it takes a person seven times to hear a clear gospel presentation before they'll make a decision to follow Christ. So we think, well, if we can get a guy, somebody to come, a girl, a woman, a man to come back seven, eight, nine, ten times, at some point they're going to say, I want this for my life. Now, if we try to give everything we know in one week, you know, we, we don't think a lot of people will come back. So we don't do that. We just say, this is the one thing we're doing today. I want to give you a tool to help you be helpful. So we do, we're very intentional. We go an hour and ten minutes. That's our, sometimes an hour and five. Very rarely we'll go over after an hour and ten. That was last week because Shannon gave me permission to go two hours. It was his fault. Sorry about that. And he said, if I speak in Spanish, I can go four hours, right? That was pretty amazing. So um, anyways, we, we don't go very long. So that's our weekend service. We're very intentional about it. Uh, we, we want people to, when they show up, know that we are prepared and ready for them. We want them to be inspired. We want it to be a helpful service. Uh, the second thing we do is, is find freedom. These are where we, where we believe small groups play the biggest part. And so we're not a church with small groups. We're a church of small groups. In fact, if, if you call the Grove your home, you really won't experience how great the Grove really is until you're a part of a, small, a community, a small group community. Because in a, in a group of, of, of other people, you begin to realize people have the same exact struggles you have, and they have the same exact questions you have. And when you come together, you can encourage each other, pray for each other. It's amazing. Uh, one, of, one of the groups I'm part of is a parenting group, and we're learning how to be better parents. And it's amazing to see somebody will talk about their struggles as a parent, and somebody else is like, I totally get that. That's exactly where we're at. And it's like, oh, wow, I don't feel alone all of a sudden. Now I have partners and I have friends to help me on this journey. So small groups are really important uh, for us. It's, it's where we discover. In fact, um, our, our, our Sunday average, like the, the amount of people that come every Sunday, 60% of those, that number are involved in small groups throughout the week. That's, that's pretty awesome as a church. So we can actually say we are a church of small groups, not just a church with small groups. I want that number to grow beyond uh, even, even what's in this theater. Like we'd have beyond 100% of our attendance on a Sunday in small groups. That'd be amazing. Um, next thing we do is we discover purpose is our growth track. We want to help people discover. 301 is where we teach people. Uh, we, we do some, some, some uh, uh, tests to, to help people discover personality and their spiritual gifts. And we tie it together to discover purpose. Uh, so it's a great class, 301. And, and growth track is just our way of saying, hey, this is how we do church. And this is, let's help you discover how you would fit in building the kingdom of God with your gifts. And then the fourth thing we do is we want people to make a difference. That's our team. So we say be a part of team. Uh, serve. Get, be a part of, of helping others connect to God. Give of your time, uh, give of your, of, your, of your talents, and give of your treasure. Like, figure out how to be able to use those things to make the kingdom of God, of God go. Um, the, and the reason I bring this up, because this is the lane we're in as a church. So next week, Sunday, Easter Sunday, we, we're not going to do a, a spectacular with, you know, pyrotechnics and stuff. It's going to be very similar to what we do every single week, because we want people to know, hey, this is what we do every single week. 
a quality service that we want people to connect to Christ. So when they come back the next week, it's going to be like, that was a really similar experience. In fact, we intentionally design our service to be very consistent. So when people come, they say, all right, I went one week, it was the same, that week's the same. I think I can invite my friend to this, and they'll enjoy it. And they invite their friend because we're consistent. It's all strategy. It's part of what we do. So the team, we're saying, let's stay, let's stay focused. As people, stay focused. Uh, Jim Rome, a business guy, he says this about success. He says, success is a few simple disciplines practiced every day, while failure is simply a few errors in judgment repeated every day. The choice is yours, all right? You can practice a few disciplines, um, or you can have a simple few uh, errors of judgment. Either way, th- those things are going to work for you or against you. But success is just practicing those simple things over and over and over. It's, it's about staying in your lane. It's figuring out what are those few things I need to do in my life to do it. There's, um, there's a story, that, uh, a, a concept or a principle called aggregation of marginal gains. Um, that, that this, this, this coach, cycling coach, um, I don't know if he discovered it, but he promoted it. In 2010, uh, there was a man by the name of uh, Dave Brailsford. Um, in 2010, he faced a really big challenge. All right, they, they, they asked him to be the coach of, of the Great Britain cycling team um, to, to win a Tour de France. So in the history of the Tour de France, there's never been a Great Britain who's ever won the Tour de France. And so in 2010, they said, would you be the coach? And the goal is that Great Britain would have somebody on the podium stand at the end of the Tour de France. And so he came in, and he brought this concept called aggregation of marginal gains. And all it is, 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 is to simplify it, is, is it's looking for changes you can make, 1% changes in an organization, or in this case in the cycling team, that would lead to something great at the end. And so it's a small changes. And so when he came in, he said, here's what we're going to do, guys. We're going to figure out every single day, every single week, how we can improve by just one small thing. And so, you know, the common things like, you know, uh, what you're eating, um, uh, the, the, the kind of food you're taking in, uh, the exercise, the, 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 the bikes, you know, the size of bikes, all that, make sure they fit, the, the kind of tires. But he went as far as even figuring out what kind of pillows people would sleep better on, his team would sleep better on. And so they found out the pillows. That's a 1% change. The, the, the teams, they slept better, so they woke up, they could exercise better. They even taught their, 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 their team how to wash their hands correctly to minimize infections. Um, just small, little, little changes. And, and so his goal was in five years to win the Tour de France, but he was wrong. Uh, it only took him three years. He said, it will take us five years. But in three years, they had a, a, one of their cyclist teams on the podium at Tour de France. And the next year, another member of their cyclist on, the, on Tour de France. And in four years, within four years, they won three of the four Tour de France's. So in the history of their cycling team, never won. And in four years, they won three of those. In the Olympics, they won like 70% of all the medals that you could win in cycling. Because they said, let's focus on those few little things that'll, that'll help us become something big. I'll give you a picture of what it looks like. So the aggregation of marginal gains is like this. It's just a 1% improvement. Or it'd be instead of gains, there could be a decline. Or a 1% bad choice. The choice is yours. All right, so in the beginning, if you look at the, at the graph... There's basically no difference between those, what, what you're doing every day. You know, one bad choice really doesn't affect you all that much. One good choice, you really don't notice it the next day. But over time, as you, as you continually do those 1% changes, before you know it, as time goes on, you begin to see an increase in your productivity, in, in your health, in, in everything. So the principle for cycling, it applies to marriage. It applies to us as a church. How can we do things better? It applies to our walk with God. What is that one thing we can do? What's really interesting is coming to church on a Sunday, it's a 1% thing. That's just a 1% thing that you do in your week. But if you did that consistently every single week, it would lead to something that's very, very healthy and good in your life. Prayer is a 1% thing. If you spend just a few minutes every single day praying, just a few minutes, it would be a 1% change that you could make in your life 
that would lead to something great over time. The thing is, you have to stick with it. You can't just give up. It's, it's a constant improvement of saying, I need to stay in my lane. I need to keep doing those few things that I'm doing to be able to accomplish what God is calling me to do. Um, go to the next one for me. Uh, Hebrews 12, 1 through 2 says it like this. Hebrews says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge cloud, a crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down. This is the idea of the marginal gains, right? You're, you're taking away things. You're, you're improving things so you can run with endurance. You can run better than you were, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. So the sin that he's talking about is the thing that's going to take you down, right? It's going to trip you. You're taking all those things out of your life. You're, you're improving. And he says, let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. Remember, endurance is all about, it's about a marathon. It's about saying, I'm in this for the long run. As a church, we're two and a half years uh, young as a church. So our goal is not just to make an impact in three years, four years. We're saying, where can we be in 20 years and in 30 years if we will continue just to do these few simple things that is making a big difference around us? And we just say, God, lead us in that. In your marriage, where would your marriage be if you continually said, how can I just make little improvements? The things I say, the words I say, date, date nights that are consistent in your, in, your, in your kids. What are those few things you can do in every sphere of life? How can you do this? And so Paul's saying, let us run with endurance the race God, God has set before us. Like run. Set, it, set, set the course and, and, and keep going. And he says this, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. So Jesus starts this, this journey with us. He's the one that's going to help us get through it. So if we stay focused on the goal, we'll get there. It's when we get distracted, when we compare, when we look, lose focus that we don't, that we don't finish well. So because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross. He endured he went all the way through. He didn't give up. And because he did that, he's now seated in a place of honor beside God's throne. Don't give up. When it gets hard, that might just be the indication that you need to keep going. Don't give up. Don't lose focus. Don't lose focus. When you lose focus, you get distracted. You do the opposite. It's not marginal gains. It's marginal decrease in, 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 in the opposite way. So don't, don't stop that. Keep, keep staying in your lane. Figure that out. What is, what is God asking you to do? So this week, what are those 1% changes you can do? Here's my challenge for this week, right? First, just, just today, would you decide to finish well? In your marriage, will you just decide, all right, we're, we're going to finish well? And have that conversation with your spouse. Like, we want to make it the distance. We, wanna, we don't want to just end, just have a 50-year anniversary and celebrate, and that's great. We want to, like, be able to laugh and enjoy each other at 50 years or 40 years, 30 years. That doesn't happen on accident. You have to have a plan. You have to stick to it. You stay in your life. You keep going the direction you need to go. But you have to decide. In school, if you're, if you're doing school, just decide. Finish well. Finish strong. In life, whatever it is that God is putting in front of you, just decide, I'm going to finish well with your walk with God. Will you decide, I'm going to run this race with endurance. Not focus on what everybody else has. Not focus on what others are doing. But just saying, I'm going to stay true to what you're asking me to do, God. Help me to stay focused by fixing our eyes. And then choose to run this, the race that God's put before you. Look for those 1% changes that will help you finish well. They're all around. And there's more, it's easier than you realize and think. Sunday's morning's a 1%. But I think it's probably the best 1% you could do on your week. Because you're starting your week off by saying, God, I invite you into my week. And in prayer, God, I invite you into my day. Read your Bible. It's a 1% change. But when you begin to do those things consistently, you'll see a huge difference in your life. Um, you know, as, as we talk about this, there's, I think some of you might be in this room and you realize, um, you know, I'm, I'm not, I don't have a lot of purpose. I don't have purpose in life. 
I'm swimming in other people's lanes. I'm trying to chase these people over here. I'm trying to keep up with those people. You know, those people get me depressed. Those people make me feel better about myself. And you, get, you find yourself just everywhere, and you're really not accomplishing a whole lot. So God's invitation for you today would say, would you, would you let me help you to find purpose in your life? Whether it's your marriage that is that's struggling, God is saying, can I help you in your marriage? Can I help you with your kids? Can I help you in every area of life? His invitation is saying, let me lead. Let me be the one that you focus on so you can run this race with endurance and you can make a difference with your life. Our desire as a church is to help you start that journey with God. And so today, you, you, you've come and you're here. And I'm talking about running this race with God and you're not even in the race. The first step for you is to say, God, I want, I want to join you in this journey. I want to run the race that you've set before me. I want to find the purpose you have for my life. See, the opposite of the marginal gains is the marginal decrease. It's going away from God. It's, going, it's, it's allowing things in your life that are going to create unhealth, unhealthy things. And some of you might find yourself in that position today. My challenge is to say, today, would you turn, turn around? So the Bible uses this word, repent. It says that if we want what God has for our life, we have to turn away from the things that are causing destruction and harm and, and putting the things in our lives that are keeping us from running a good race. Sin. Sin easily entangles us, the Bible says. We have to get rid of those things. It's like driving your car. You realize you're going in the wrong direction. The answer is not to push the gas harder and go faster. The answer is to put your signal on, do a U-turn, and begin to go the opposite direction. That's repentance. It's saying, I'm going to, choose, I'm going to change direction in my life. And when we begin to live the opposite of what we've been living and follow God's ways, that's when he answers us and says, now I'm going to help you stay in your lane. So for some of us, we've been going the long way for too long. Today, God is saying, turn your life around. Go my direction. Go my way. Would you do me a favor? Close your eyes and bow your head as we close out, finish our service. If you're here today and you know you're going the wrong direction, you know it. Everything in your life is not what you want. Creating, creating more problems, more harm. And today God is saying, would you turn your life over to me? Would you turn around? Would you repent? The Bible says that if we ask God to forgive our sins and we turn away from those things, that he shows up in a great way to help us. So if that's you today and you want me to lead you in a prayer, simple prayer, 1% prayer, say, God, change things. If that's you today, would you do me a favor and just raise your hand let me know you're here? Awesome. I see your hand. I see your hand. Thank you. I'm not going to call you down to the front, just in your chair, lead you in a prayer right there. Anybody else? And raise your hand with these others that have raised their hand and said, God, I repent today. I, I turn to you. Awesome. I see your hand. All right, all you that raise your hand, would you just repeat this prayer with me? It's an invitation of God to help you on this journey. You're saying, God, would you forgive me of my choices? I believe you died on that cross for me. So pray this prayer. If you're a Christian, would you join us in praying with them so not praying alone? Say this, say this, they say, Father God, today I acknowledge that I'm going the wrong way. Forgive me my sin. I choose today to turn around and go your way. I believe you sent your son, Jesus, to die on that cross for me so I can have a way back to you. And I believe Jesus is alive today with good plans for my life. So I invite you to lead me 
Help me on this journey. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.